expecting God to speak to some folks today, and I'm excited about what He is doing. Amen. Amen. Because even whenever it feels like nothing is happening with our God, something is always, always happening. Say always happening. It's always happening. God is working. And guess what? He doesn't take naps. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't need to sleep at night. Uh, so the thing that keeps you up at night that you're so focused on is keeping you from sleeping. Um, God's awake already. He can handle it while you get some sleep. I know it's easy to say that, um, but we need to have faith and trust God that he is working even when we don't see it. I'm going to be preaching today from Genesis chapter 32. We're going to read verse 24 through 28, and I want to preach to you today under this title, What is Your Name? What is your name? I am Jacob. Genesis 32, 24 through 28, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And I want to preach, What is your name? What is your name? There are seasons, there are seasons of life where the only option for us is to become brutally honest with ourselves. Has anyone ever experienced a failure? And it was such a drastic failure that you kind of step back and all you can really do is admit that that failure was completely yours. You hold all responsibility for it. You were pinned up in a sense. You were trapped maybe. And you're trapped into a place of honesty, of real self-realization, of recognizing um, that this failure or whatever happened in your life was all because of you. There were not outside influences. Now, we are all masters, and how many of us will admit this? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of us will admit that we are all masters of blaming, and not blaming ourselves, but blaming someone else? I will admit it. I, I can be a master of blaming, and you can ask my wife. There's not hardly an argument that I can't try and wiggle my way out of and try to win and we can do that in life, every one of us. We have a very strong self-preservation within ourselves to uh, uh, seal our own identity and understand that we, we are made a certain way. So we try and preserve that. We try to preserve that. But there are certain times in life where you arrive at a place where there's just no option. You are faced with admitting brutally in a very honest way your own failures or your own sins or your own shortcomings. Could be that you get trapped into that honesty. Could be that you grow weary of keeping up appearances, what we like to do so often. It could be that we get sick of our own selves, but we arrive at this place 
where we must be brutally honest with ourselves and admit the fault lies with us because we can't control what others do or outside circumstances, but we can control our own selves. The last time Jacob was asked the question, who are you? He lied. He was robbing his brother of a blessing. He was in the midst of deceiving his father. And this deception, this lie, this thievery from his brother, it would haunt him for years to come. It would be multiple chapters later until we read this in Genesis chapter 32 where he's asked again, who are you? What is your name? And he says, I am Jacob. But back in Genesis 27 verses 18 and 19, he goes to his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am, who are you? My son, Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, still and eat, sit and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. This lie, this particular deception put him on the run from Esau, put him on the run from his family, put him in a place of fearing for his life. It tore up his family, and it would affect his life for years to come, constantly running, constantly afraid, constantly having to look over his shoulder. It put him in a place, would lead him ultimately to be in a place of serving his uncle for years and years and being taken advantage of by his uncle. But there's something about that. Lies always have a way of leaving a wake behind them. They always do. We think we can get away from it, and eventually the lie breaks forward, almost like water pushing against the dam that has a hole in it. Eventually it starts to push and break through, and it covers life. Lies always leave a wake behind them. And in the scripture we read, Jacob is now, after a long time, past the lie that he told years ago. He's now returning to face his brother, the one he had robbed, the one he had taken advantage of, the one that he was afraid of, the one that was going to kill him. And so here he is, he's afraid. He takes actions to overcome his fear. He splits his family and his possessions and send them off in different caravans so that way if one of them were attacked, then maybe they could escape. But on this night, he's left alone. His family's not with him. Nobody is there to see the encounter or to hear what's going to happen. No one is there to witness He's all alone. You know, I've, I've learned working with people for so long is that the most terror, terrorizing thing for us, it's, it's not death and it's not a lot of things, it's being alone. It's being alone. Because there's something about when you're alone, you're forced, you're forced to look at yourself for reality. Because if you're out, you, you're focused on putting up the appearance and keeping up the facade and working hard to make sure everyone else sees you the way you want to see 
You want them to see you or you want to be seen. But when you're alone, when you're alone, none of that matters. You don't have the energy. You don't have the, all the focus shifted toward keeping that facade up. I have a really good acquaintance that for years has kept up, kept up such a busy, busy schedule until a point of a health breaking. And it was in that health breaking that it, he was faced to deal with some things he had never really dealt with before from his past. And that's how life is sometimes. We, we go through this motion of doing all of these things to keep up a facade and keep up appearances and look a certain way. But eventually we get cornered into a spot where we're all alone and we're forced to reckon with who we really are. And it was in this night, completely alone, that Jacob begins to wrestle with the man. We don't understand why he was wrestling. It doesn't say that Jacob saw this man and knew this man could bless him. It doesn't say any of that. All it says was he was alone and began to wrestle with a man. And as he wrestled, the day broke. As the day broke, the man began to say, let me go. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And they continue to wrestle. And the man touches his hip, seeing he's not going to escape. He touches his hip, and his hip's taken out of socket. And then the man asks him, what's your name? It's been years since Jacob has had that question thrown at him. And with nowhere to go, nowhere to turn, Jacob answers for the first time in his life, truthfully, he says, I am Jacob. I am the deceiver. I am the liar who lied. I am the one who robbed my brother of a blessing. I am the one that tore up my family. I am the one who's been running for all these years afraid of the past that haunts me. I am Jacob. And immediately the man says to him, you shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel it leads me to believe that whenever we get honest with ourselves and we're honest with God, it opens the door for God to begin to work in our lives and in our situation and in the struggle that we're in the midst of. When we get honest enough that we will sit down and say, okay, God, I'm tired of putting up appearances. I'm tired of acting the part. I'm tired of everyone else thinking a certain thing about me. I want you to understand exactly who I am. I am faced with my own truth. That honesty opens the door for God to begin to work. 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it's in that truth, that confession, that recognition of who we are that God begins to work. 
That's what God's desire is. I've come to realize over the years that is God's desire. God's desire is that you would reveal and be real with your own failures, your own sins, and your own shortcomings. He's not afraid of the mess of your life. He's afraid of the deception that you're willing to live in. The truth is, God identifies with the failed version of you. We always think, well, we need to get everything right and perfect, get cleaned up, and God's going to accept me. That's not how God works. God identifies more with you and your failed version than you and your perfect version. You say, well, what do you mean? God, God's in the, in, in the work of transforming and changing lives. Yes, he is. But without the failed version of you, there's no reason for him to do a work. God identifies with the failed version of you. Look at someone and says, God, look at someone behind you or beside you and say to them, God accepts you as you are right now. Now tell them, but he's not going to leave you the way that you are. It's interesting. You go one book later. Moses is being told by God to go back to the children of Egypt that God's getting ready to do a work, that he's heard their cries and pleas for multiple generations to be delivered from slavery. And Moses there in that very holy ground, the burning bush experience, he asks God, well, if, I, if I'm going to go after putting up all of his defenses of saying, I, I'm not ready, you know, I can't speak, I, I'm really, I've killed a man, I've, all of these things... Moses asked God, well, if I'm going, who do I tell them sent me? In verse 15, it says, Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. Notice that. He, he didn't say the God of Israel. The God of the better version, the God of the blessed version, the God of the, the improved new version. He said, I'm the God of Jacob, that liar and that deceiver, the one who split his family, the one who was on the run all those years ago, the one that I had to corner alone and say, who are you? That Jacob that finally admitted who he was, that's who I'm God of. See, God identifies with our failures. He identifies with our sins that he can reconcile. He identifies with our issues. That does not mean I'm encouraging you to go sin. I am saying that if you're looking over your shoulder at something in your past and you're saying, but this, but that, I lied, I did this, I did that. God is looking at you and he's saying, I'm already your God. I've chosen you. I am coming to do a work in your Life, He says, I am the God of Jacob. And if you go and you study and you read it, go look everywhere. Only time that it refers to God, the person, God of the person of Jacob. It says Jacob. It never says Israel. 
Only whenever he's talking about the nation or the people of Israel does he ever say, I'm the God of Israel. Every time he says the God of Jacob. You can see it throughout the Psalms over and over and over. David would call and say, the God of Jacob, the God of Jacob. Why? Because there's something about God when he steps into your mess and he starts to do a work. He's not afraid of that. He's not holding back from that. God's not waiting on you to get your life cleaned up up and get everything perfect and then he steps in and pops his suspenders and say look at these people these are my people that's not what he does he looks at you just as you are right now and he says if they'll let me if they'll be honest if they'll be real and authentic I will step into their mess and I'll start making changes but he will come in right now just as you are He doesn't want the best version of you. He doesn't want the better presented version of you. He wants to take the fears, the failures, the sins, the struggles, and he wants to step into that, and he can transform that failure into a success. There's no glory for God, and really there's, No way it would actually happen. But there is, even if you could get cleaned up and get perfect, there's no glory for God in that. God wants a project to work on. God wants your sin and failure. He wants to reconcile all of the issues in your life. And you can work your entire life and you're never going to get it fixed. It's just not going to happen. Too many problems are going to persist. Every time scripture identifies God and associates him with Jacob, never uses that name the angel gave him. Never gives that name of Israel. Just always says the God of Jacob. God is not afraid of being associated with your failure. He is afraid of you deceiving yourselves. James warned us, warned us as much. The scripture is not on there. James 1.22. James said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If I can say that there is a problem with this generation, we have many. But I would say that there is one major problem. We easily deceive ourselves. Because as long as we can run around put our energy and our focus toward everyone else seeing us in a certain light we're happy to keep from going to God and saying God this is where I'm a sinner this is where I'm a failure this is where I've made my mistakes this is my shortcomings and I'm telling someone today it is time for you to get into that place maybe God is moving you there already where he's got you cornered into a place and you need to address him and he's saying, who are you? Who are you? And it's time to be honest. And once you get honest and once you say, God, this is who I am. This is what I'm struggling with. This is my failure. This is my sin. That truth, that honesty, God says, okay, I can do something with that. But as long as you keep saying, God, that's not me. 
God, I didn't do that. Or you just keep ignoring, hoping it will go away. God just says they're in deception. They're deceiving themselves and he will let you stay in that self-deception. But whenever you say, God, this is who I am, all of a sudden that truth sets you free. God will step in and he'll start to work. If you'll stand with me. Lord, you see every person that's here this morning. You see every person that's joining from the from their living room, from at home, or from the internet. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help us, Lord, to have the kind of faith that says, I can be truly open and honest with my God. He was my God when I was Jacob, and I was lying and deceiving. And he'll be my God after he changes me. But he wants me for what I am and who I am. That's the person he died to save on the cross. That's the person that Jesus died to save. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord. To come to a place of repentance. Because that's really what it is. It's repentance. When I'm completely honest and I take down all of the things that I've built up around myself and I say, Lord, this is who I am. It's the beginning of repentance. God, I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Why don't you take a moment right where you're at, begin to pray. Entertain the spirit of the Lord that is here right now. He's trying to talk to someone. He's been working on you. He's been drawing you. He's been drawing at your spirit, drawing at your heart. It's time to have a conversation with him. Lord, you know my sins. You know my failures. You know the dark places of my life that I try to keep covered up and hidden. God, I'm opening it up right now, Lord. I need you to work. I need you to do a transformation in my life. I need change. I need to go from being a Jacob, a liar, a deceiver, to being an Israel happens when I begin to be honest in the name of Jesus Christ